I don't want to interrupt the offering, so uh, feel free to concentrate on that if you are. As many of you know, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's Church, and uh, it's my privilege to uh, lead the team. And I'm very, very excited about preaching this morning. So um, I hope, I hope that you are equally as excited to hear what I've got to say. So we will, um, we, we will see how it, we will see how it goes. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Acts chapter five? Just while you're doing that, um, I just want to comment, obviously, on the very sad news um, of Jeremy Birch passing away at the end of, uh, end of last week um, in the middle of the election campaign. Um, he really gave himself to serving our town and serving our community. And although um, I know he didn't always agree with what we believed in and who we believed in, I just want to ask you that at this time, uh, you um, honour this man and you pray for his family, you pray for his partner and you pray for his colleagues at this difficult time. So just to bring that to your mind really and just pray that you would ask for your blessing on on that community around him um, as they walk through this difficult path um, at the moment. I also just want to back up really what Emma said about this encounter week. Um, It's based out of a book by Simon Holly, um, which I've forgotten the name of, Sustainable Power. You wouldn't believe I've read it twice, would you? Um, And and the the book is about, and what what these evenings and, and, and the Saturday morning is about, is unblocking our lives from things that stop us from encountering God. So those different words, you think, caught a whole evening based around fear. I don't know if I want to come to that. Um, The reason we want to look at these different subjects is we believe that although Jesus won the great victory on the cross, sometimes we need to step into it. Sometimes we need to step into some of these things that he's won for us. And so we just want to make a slightly... Uh, more extended time frame for us to be able to do that. And so I would encourage you, even if you think, do you know what, I have no issue with fear at all. I'm sure there is no need for me to come to that anyway. just want to encourage you to, if you're free, come along anyway and see what God wants to do in your life. It's amazing what he does when we put ourselves in a position for him to meet with us. Excellent. This morning, I'm, the, the plan for this morning is I'm going to preach for, hopefully the plan is a short length of time, and then, don't you, don't you laugh at me, I'm going I'm to do my best, I'm going to preach for a short length of time, and then I'm looking for a response from you. I mean, preaching is always meant to be two-way anyway. It's not that just the preacher giving, but it's you actively receiving, but 
But this morning, more than, more than maybe most, I am going to preach. And what I want us to do at the end is we're going to pray that we would freshly receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so I just ask that as I go through this, and we're going to go through it at a fairly good pace, that you keep your hearts open to God. You see what he wants to speak in. I think Lou's word was really significant and ties in so well with what I'm going to look at. Because the God we worship is big. He's strong, he's powerful, and if you've lost hope in him or trust or think that he's limited, I think hopefully this word will um, freshly um, envision you. So the subject I'm going to look at this morning is this. Is the church fit for purpose? It's a phrase you would hear often in the business world or in different situations. When it really gets down to it, can the church make a difference? I mean, there's no doubt about our effort, no doubt about our desire to make a difference, but really when it gets down to it, are we cutting the mustard? Is she, to mix my words up, is she man enough for the task? Can she produce the goods when it really, really counts? Because, you know, you look around, there's an awful lot of need out there. There are some massive problems. And in the end, are we just really a bit out of our depth? That's the subject um, I want to look at this morning, and we're going to use Acts chapter 5 to answer that question. I wonder in some ways, is the church just a bit like Burnley Football Club? You know, if any of you follow football, you'll realise the very sad news. Um, I reckon I'm pretty safe down here in the south, but there won't be many Burnley supporters here. That In the end, although they tried really hard, they never stood a chance in the Premier League. Do you mean they were just, they they, they were trying to punch above their weight. There was no way they would ever compete with the big boys. I mean, how on earth are Burnley ever going to beat the likes of Liverpool or Man United or Arsenal and manage to stay up in, in any sort of way? Do you know they conceded twice as many goals as they scored? Do you know out of 36 games, they only managed to win six games? So if you're a Burnley supporter here, it means you had to go to six matches just to see them win once. How depressing is that? Is the church just a bit like a Burnley? You've got to let me get to the end. <laughs> I wonder if I might be preaching to the converted here. Let's have a, let's have a um, look at the passage. So we're going to follow on from um, Ananias and Sapphira. Um, so we, we were always knew we were on and up from here. So... Um, Acts chapter 5 verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them but the people held them in high esteem. I mean again this is a real time of immense favour for the church. Um, On the back of Ananias and Sapphira there's this sense of high esteem but fear. If you're looking in on the church you don't want to get too close because you heard what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. It's a bit, it's just a bit scary. And more than ever believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so at the same time as people being a bit fearful to join the church has never grown as quickly as it did in this season so that even so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by at least his shadow might fall on some of them wow Great to hear of that healing this morning, wasn't it? But there was such an anointing of God 
that people put the sick out on streets because they heard that Peter goes that way and maybe his shadow would go, go across them. Maybe there would be a healing that takes place. A bit like the woman who reached out to grab hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. I, I, I don't need him to pray for me, I just need to grab hold of him. And that is enough for me to see a healing. Wow, just Peter's shadow passing. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand and speak to the, pe- to, to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. The rest of the chapter is a bit like a comedy sketch because the apostles are in the temple preaching, the place where the council said they're not to go. The council send the guards to the prison to look for them. They find the guards posted at the doors. They find um, the prison doors locked. But when they go into the prison, there's no apostles because the angel has let them out. So the Sadducees are working out what on earth has happened to the apostles. Someone runs and tells them, oh, by the way, these guys you locked up last night, well, they're back in the temple. I mean, they've taken no notice of what you're saying. They're back there teaching the people again about this Jesus whom whom they crucified. So they drag, well, they don't drag the apostles. They ask the apostles really nicely, would they come back in to the courtroom so they can stand trial? They come back in. They say to the apostles, the council says, look, we've told you not to preach about this Jesus, but you've filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You've absolutely filled it. The apostles speak as boldly as they did in chapter 4 and said, look, we're going to obey God and not you which wound them up quite a lot. They wanted to kill them until a Pharisee named um, Gamaliel, yes, if I get stuck, shout that out again, that will help me. Gamaliel stood up and um, he said, look, just before you kill the apostles, you could be working against God here. If this is a move of, if this is just man's work, it will all peter out. But if this is a move of God, you could find you're fighting against God. So they listen to his advice. They beat them. And when it says beat them, it was, they, uh, uh, oh dear, this is going to, that's it, they flog them. This is going to be a long morning, isn't it, for you guys? Maybe I should make the word shorter, shorter still. They flog them and they let them go, but they go rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' name. Um, these guys, what is going on in this passage is absolutely incredible. Lord, I just want to pray this morning would not just be a matter about gaining a bit of information, but I pray, Lord God, this morning would be about encountering you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that I pray that where we end up this morning is that we are filled afresh with you. Every single person from my left-hand side right the way round to my right-hand side for fresh encounters with you, Holy Spirit. I pray for fresh power. Amen. So is the church fit for purpose? We're going to look at church, whose plan? 
we're going to look at church. What do we see? And lastly, we're going to look at church, admire or imitate. I just want to touch very briefly on this. I I love these words by Gamaliel. He says this in uh, Acts 5, verse 38 and 39. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Is the church fit for purpose? The church is God's plan. The reason we're here is not because we like each other, although we do, in the main. The reason church exists is because God planned this is how he would display his glory. This is how he would reach out to a dying world. That he would gather men and women from different backgrounds and different nationalities. He would draw them together under the banner of the cross. To the foot of the cross where their sins are forgiven. Where they're washed clean. Where they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they'd be brought together as one people to display his glory. And to tell a dying world that there is a God who loves them. This is God's plan You are his plan. You are his purposes. There's a lovely uh, couple of verses um, at the end of Ephesians chapter 1. We're just going to read it and I'm going to let the text do its talking. All this energy issues from Christ. That is the Holy Spirit. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven. In charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power, exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. And at the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. It might be, and it's interesting just watching the whole general election thing. And you might think, well, that's been the centre of the UK. That's, that's the most important thing. The most important thing for the next five years is who runs this nation. Rubbish. The most important thing in the next five years is God and what he's doing in his church. That's the most important thing. He's seated on his throne. He's ruling and reigning. Kingdoms rise. Kingdoms fall. But our king remains unmoved. Caring for his church. We are Christ's body. He's the head. We're his body. When it comes to him moving, there's the odd angelic visitation. There's sometimes he appears in a Muslim country, but his general way of working is through us. We're his hands and feet. We're his mouthpiece. Is the church fit for purpose? Well, it's God's plan. 
right the way through scripture. It's God's plan. So church, what do we see? I'm not asking when I say what do we see. I'm not asking what do we see around us here. What do we see in the book of Acts? And I've got nine things that we see. I will fly through them like the wind. But I pray that as I do this, because this is how we're going to finish the meeting, I pray that as we do this, that the Holy Spirit will highlight a couple of them to you that you want to grow in. And as he does that, that's the area I want you to respond to at the end of the meeting. So is, is she fit for purpose? Well, I tell you, the first thing I notice is she's got a message that is life-changing. She has a message. The church has a message that is life-changing. We read, we read it in um, Acts 5, 30-31. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to the right hand as leader and saviour to give repentance to all Israel and the forgiveness of sins. The biggest problem that any human being faces is how do they relate to the God who made them? Well, God has entrusted that message to his church. And the way we come is having our sins forgiven at the foot of the cross. Jesus Christ died to deal with our sin and our rebellion. And he, was rose, he rose to new life that we can relate to God. That's a message that we have. And it's wonderful. I'll just touch on a couple of these phrases. It says that they had filled the whole of Jerusalem with this teaching. Can you imagine it? All the houses, all the streets, all the shops, they are filled with stories about Jesus Christ and what he came to do. Can you imagine if Hastings and St. Leonard's and Bexhill and Rye were just filled with stories about what Jesus was doing? That's, that's what they did. I mean, there's some wonderful healings. I'll touch on that in a minute. But they just filled the whole community with stories about this Jesus. I wonder if you wonder why the church grew so quickly. Well, I'm sure it's because the Holy Spirit was poured out. But actually, I'm sure it's because people just spoke a lot about Jesus. They just kept talking about Jesus. And I love it because that's the very thing. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are saying, whatever you do, do not talk about Jesus. It's the very thing they do. They fill Jerusalem and they go, it says at the end of chapter 5, they go from house to house and in the temple courts saying that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. The church has a message that is life-changing. The church has signs and wonders and incredible healings. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. The church had angelic deliverance. I mean, imagine that. I mean, I've, I, don't, I think I've hardly ever spoken about angels. I certainly never preached a whole one on it. But they're right the way through the Gospels. They're in the New Testament. Angels are mentioned quite a lot, really. We're not to worship them. We're not to pray to them. But we're to be aware that they're here. They're, here. they're doing God's bidding here on earth. They're here to support the church, to support you. I wonder. I can't see them. But I reckon there's angels here. Yeah? Is the church fit for purpose? Well, there's, there's angels around. God sent his angels here. I think, you know, that's, that's quite cool. Is the church fit for purpose? Well, I reckon, what incredible courage. 
God, I mean, the next few things I'm going to mention here is that the gospel is so powerful and God did such an incredible work that that, that fear became the seedbed for courage. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. You know if something's working if it changes the very core of who you are. You know? That's powerful stuff. Wasn't it Proverbs say, better a man who can control his tongue than can take a fortified city. Why? Because actually it's harder. So if, if you're seeing such a, an outworking in your life that it changes the inside of you, we know. We know that God is powerful. What about their rejoicing in suffering? After they were beaten, they go out rejoicing When, to rejoice when things are going well is easy. That's what everyone does. To rejoice when your back has just been lacerated and open up because of the beating you've got and you go out rejoicing and saying, thank you, Jesus, I got to suffer just like you did. Is the church fit for purpose? It, the, what God had done in them couldn't even get beaten out of them. They just went back celebrating. What about unity? I mean, this wasn't in the passage that we looked, we're looking at, but in um, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, we, just, we know that they have one heart and soul, and I touched on that um, last week. I mean, such an incredible transformation of what is going on. In, in their lives, so all the different backgrounds. It's not that those things aren't important, it's just that Jesus is more important. Such a unity, such a care. I have, I have been worried in the last week. Um with some of the stuff on social media, what I've read. You know, God doesn't love any political party. God loves people. And people from all different political parties love Jesus. And his church is made up of people that love Jesus, but might vote for different political parties. Our, our responsibility is to love each other with humility and grace and know that actually you may have it wrong to give enough space for someone with a different view to know your acceptance and your love. I probably don't need to say any more than that, do I? But I think we must be careful because... On social media, you can make a passing comment and 400 people heard it. It's powerful. It used to be a passing comment would just be to the one or two that are close to you. Now it goes much broader than that. We're a church. We're one people together. Jesus Christ is the head of it. He is what, he is what unifies us. And he is much more important than our differing views on politics they were generous 
They were generous with their finance. They were generous with their time. They were generous in, in their love for one another. Is this church fit for purpose? Oh, and how they prayed. I mean, we've hardly touched on praying at all in this, in this series so far. But core, could they pray? Not because they had to, but because they knew when they woke up in the morning and they got on their knees or they walked around their lounge praying, they were walking into the throne room of heaven. Their father was sat on the throne. He could make a difference to their lives. He could make a difference to the lives of those around him, around them. Ah, oh, they were powerful prayers. What privilege. When you read this book, when you read the, the book of Acts, it's good that we admire it and look back and go, wow, wasn't that amazing? We can even use it and dream for the future. I wonder if at some point in the future, God will do something amazing. But actually, I believe it's here to stir us to look to imitate it. For us to pursue the things that the early church pursued. To give ourselves the best of our energy, the best of our prayers, the best of our finance, the best of our time. To follow in him. We know the church didn't get everything right. Ananias and Sapphira says that. But they pushed on in faith courageously. And took ground for him. So how? How about you? Admire or imitate? It says in Acts 5 verse 32. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. Whom God has given to those who obey him. The nine areas that I listed out, in reality, they're, they're well beyond us, aren't they? They're well beyond me. I can't do it on my own. But we're not meant to. God has given us his Holy Spirit. God has given us his Holy Spirit. That he would empower us to live a different way. You see, this, this word isn't about trying harder. It's about getting linked into a different power source. You see, God delights to work with us. Since sin entered the world, God has been used to working with broken people. He loves using them to display his glory and he loves fixing us up for his pleasure. One day he will take us to be with him and we will be perfect. But here on earth we're going to be broken and chipped and a bit cracked. But that's how God's designed it to display his glory. We're not always going to be overflowing with generosity. At times we're going to get a bit niggly. At times we're going to do or say things that we wish we could drag back into our mouths and had never come out. 
But that's the wonder of the church, and that's the wonder of how God has designed us to be. It says in 2 Corinthians, this is one of my favouritest, one of my favouritest verses of all times. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, on the outside you look at me, you know, don't be intimidated, you know. But anyway, we won't. You, you, you look at me and it's a jar of clay. It's all broken and chipped and praise God clothes in children's work so she can't tell you either what I'm really like. But I'm, I'm all broken and chipped on the outside and I have probably upset at least three or four people today since I woke up. But the treasure's on the inside. And I wonder even what Lou was sharing about people becoming disheartened or even wondering, is God powerful enough? I think sometimes we can look at the church on the outside and we can be really good at spotting all the bits that aren't working right and we miss the treasure that is on the inside, the all-surpassing power that is from God. Because although we're weak and broken, God loves to display his power and his goodness through us. The church is God's wonderful plan. It's a display of his manifest wisdom. That's that's what you are. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and just say, you are, you are, I don't know, what shall I say? (laughs) You You are the wonderful plan of God. Why don't you just say that to the person next to you? Why don't you tell the person next to you that you're so pleased you're in a church with them? Now tell them that the treasure's on the inside. Is she fit for purpose? Well, she's, she's God's plan. Some of the characteristics, some of the things we see in the book of Acts are superhuman. They are incredible. He's poured out the Holy Spirit into broken clay pots to display his glory And although we don't get everything right, we are the chosen means, along with other churches in our dear town and community, to display his glory and to see his name highly exalted. And I feel, I just want to finish, we've got 20 minutes, so we've got good time, so if I can invite the band back up. I want us to finish by using the last 20 minutes for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. Now, I can do my best in the last 30 minutes to preach and communicate effectively. But in the end, the next 20 minutes is very much down to you. And there's every chance 
if you just wander your way through the next 20 minutes, that you'll walk out of here thinking, well, God didn't do much. Whereas the person next to you says, wow, how I encountered him. And the only difference isn't, isn't whether God loves you or wants to bless you. That's nothing to do with it. It's are you hungry to meet with him today? Are you hungry to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit today? So why don't we stand... Phil Moore said this, I've started making room for the Holy Spirit to be the primary witness and discovering that he makes us very fruitful when we do. The more space we give to him in our lives, the more fruitful we become. I just want to ask you, I want to invite you Holy Spirit, would you please come and fill each of us afresh right now. I thank you you're here, but I ask you, will you fill each of us right now where we're at? Holy Spirit, if what we need is power in suffering, I ask you right now for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, if what we need is courage, for the obstacles we face. I ask right now in Jesus' name for such Holy Spirit boldness to come and fill us and refresh us. Lord, I ask you if we want to grow in signs, wonders and miracles and step out and see breakthrough in that, I ask you right now for gifts of healing, for gifts of miracles to be distributed among the congregation right now. I ask you, Lord God, if if, if we just want to gossip about you all over the town, I ask you right now for the enabling and the boldness and the words to say by power of the Holy Spirit. I ask you, Lord, if we just feel we're a bit bit, bit self-sufficient, really, just trying to survive on our own, I ask you, Holy Spirit, right now that you would fill us and stir us to incredible acts of generosity. I ask you if we just feel a bit on the edge of things, I ask you for such a uh, a Holy Spirit unity that it wouldn't just be paper thin, but real heart connections with people in the church. Would you come Holy Spirit right now and fill us, I pray. Can we sing a song that just invites the Holy Spirit to come?